Well, throughout the season of Lent, uh, we've been looking, taking a close look at chapters 2 and 3 from the book of Revelation. And in those chapters, we have seven letters from Jesus to us. Seven letters from Jesus to the church. Now, those seven letters, they get overlooked for some reason from the pulpit or even from Christians because we think, well, the only thing Jesus ever had to say to us was in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But no, he's got seven letters to we, the church. And so this morning on Palm Sunday, we come to the final letter, which was to the church in the city of Laodicea. And uh, as I was mapping out my sermons, I'm thinking of Palm Sunday, and I'm like, how am I going to connect the church in Laodicea to the events of Palm Sunday. And I got to praying about it and looking at the scripture, and it really wasn't that difficult. I hope you'll say the same thing at the end of the sermon. But anyway, let's start off by looking at uh, Jesus' letter to that church. Revelation 3.14 says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. So, In the uh, New Testament, some of you may be familiar that there is a letter called Colossians. That was Paul's letter to the church in the city of Colossae. Well, Colossae and Laodicea were twin cities, if you will. They were sister cities just a couple of miles from each other. But their their, uh, drinking water, their water sources uh, were different. Laodicea had a water supply that came from hot springs that ran through an aqueduct for about five miles. And by the time this hot water got to the city of Laodicea, it was lukewarm. So the water really wasn't at that point hot enough to be used as it was in a hot beverage. And it was too warm to be soothing on the hot summer months. So in some ways... Lukewarm water is useless. Why am I telling you this seemingly bit of useless trivia? Well, it's because of what Jesus says next. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's Jesus. That's Jesus talking to the church. He doesn't sound happy. Just as lukewarm water isn't much good for anything, Jesus tells the church that lukewarm Christians aren't good for much. And I'm sure glad it was Jesus that said that and not me. Because I'd be in a lot of trouble. But it was Jesus. The one, as Chris said, went into that city knowing that he was going to die for you. You see, the biggest issue with Christianity in America is not opposition from the outside. And there, there are many who want you to believe that the church is suffering in America because of opposition from out there. No! The biggest issue with the church in America, is indifference on the inside. Being neutral is really not possible in the Christian life. 
Jesus wants his disciples to have a true and genuine commitment. A true and genuine commitment. And this has been the message throughout the Bible. Uh, Back in the Old Testament Psalms, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And then Jesus in the Gospel of uh, Luke said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back. In other words, once you, once you commit, you keep moving forward. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, a quick note. A true and genuine faith doesn't mean that you are some kind of spiritual giant. It simply means that you have a faith that is honest with God. A faith in which you share God, your concerns, and maybe your doubts. But it is a faith that is committed. Committed to Jesus Christ. Well, let's continue in Revelation 3. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, Laodicea was a rich city. In fact, it was the richest city in that Roman province. And uh, many of the people were pretty proud of that. And some maybe thought highly of themselves. But Jesus is saying that your opinion of yourself is inadequate. Because spiritually, they were a thing of misery. In their world, they were the haves. And you know what we are in our world? We're the haves. We, we got it. I mean, you folks don't realize this, but compared to the rest of the world, we live as kings. We have it. We have it. And Jesus says you might be the haves in your world, but spiritually you are the have-nots. They lacked humility. And Jesus desires humility amongst his followers. Shortly after riding into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, Jesus said this, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Well, let's continue in Jesus' letter to the church in Laodicea. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. So the Laodiceans, they were, they were proud of their expensive things. They were proud of the stuff that they have. So Jesus puts a few more things on their list. Gold refined by fire was gold that was purified. It was purified. And Jesus says you need to purify yourself and your heart. And we're going to look at that a little bit more when we get into the events uh, after Palm Sunday. And white clothing referred to victory. And it's a victory that we can't earn on our own. We can't achieve enough. We can't purchase enough. It's a victory that only Jesus can earn. And then ISAV, what was up with that? Well, they couldn't see the truth. And they needed their eyes open. We can tell by the tone of this letter that Jesus, he's, he's not happy. I mean, come on. We knew that when he said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So he's not happy. But what we've got to understand, even though we might find it difficult, is that Jesus loves them. And he's speaking out of love. And the next verse lets us know this. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. 
And so Jesus is speaking out of love because Jesus is full of grace. But that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't going to ignore the truth. It's grace and truth. And we tried to, to share that in our logo for uh, this, this series. And there it says, 100% grace, full of truth. And here's a problem with a lot of churches is they focus on one at the expense of another. Like, there's a lot of churches in our country that they want you to know the truth. That woke you up, didn't it, girl? They want you to know the truth, and you better believe it because it's the truth, and they forget about grace. But then there are other churches that focus on grace. No, it's okay. God loves you just the way you are. Don't worry about it. And they forget the truth. But Jesus is full of grace and truth, and we need, we need that grace, but we need to hear the truth as well. And so Jesus says, those whom I love, I rebuke. And he gets that from Proverbs 3.11. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resist his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those that he loves. Now let's take a, a look at some of the events on Palm Sunday. We go to Matthew 21, verse 8. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while the others cut from the trees, branches from the trees, and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna! What does that mean? It means save me. Hosanna, save us. Save us. And so what, what they wanted, they wanted to be saved, but it had nothing to do with sin. It had nothing to do with their relationship with God. They wanted a political savior, a military savior. In fact, they wanted someone to go into the capital and drain the swamp. That's what they wanted. Nobody made that connection, did you? Just Some of y'all probably aren't old enough to vote, but anyway. They wanted a political leader and a savior, just like a lot of Christians in this country today. That's what they want from Jesus. And you're going to be disappointed just like they were because that's not what he came to do. And so they said, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. They were pretty fired up, weren't they? I bet they were committed. No. You see, he comes into town and he starts talking about religious people. And he, and he, and he, he starts upsetting the religious people. And they even ask him about taxes. And you know what he said? Go ahead, pay him. Pay them to the Roman government. And then give to God what belongs to God. And so just five days after everybody says, here's our king. Five days. The religious leaders get Jesus arrested on some trumped up charge. They bring him to the Roman governor. And the Roman governor's like, man, this is bogus. And so he's going to try to let Jesus go. And so we pick it up in Matthew 27. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. And they all answered, crucify him. Sunday, it's hail him our king. Friday, it's eh, who needs Jesus? And we think that's horrible. But sometimes we come to church on Sunday and we sing and oh, we're feeling it. and Oh yes, I love you, Jesus. And then by later in the week, we get angry at somebody. We lose our temper. 
We speak in a way that we shouldn't. And it's like we're saying, eh, who needs Jesus? Or maybe we're confronted uh, with someone who really needs our compassion. Eh, who needs Jesus? Or maybe somebody who has hurt our feelings and, and, and they're sorry for it. But we're not going to forgive because we're going to hold a grudge. Eh, who needs Jesus? And when we live like that, we're lukewarm at best. And they were lukewarm. Well, let's explore a little bit more what took Jesus from a hero's welcome on Sunday to a condemning crowd on Friday. Well, the main thing is he starts to upset the religious status quo. And that's Jesus' specialty is upsetting religious people. He's still doing it today. Matthew 21, we pick it up in verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. Now the background to that story is that the religious leaders were making a lot of money off of this deal. Uh, They were getting rich. And there were other things too where they were getting rich. And I don't think, I don't think Jesus, I don't think he is very happy with the wealth of some religious leaders today. Now Jesus spent a great amount of time in that last week in Jerusalem making those religious people mad. In 23.5 he said everything they do is for people to see. And so Jesus doesn't want anything about our faith walk, our church life, our spiritual life to be done for show. He just wants honesty. He wants transparency with Him. And just as with the Christians in Laodicea who lacked humility, Jesus wants humble disciples. The Laodiceans were proud of their earthly accomplishments. Jesus wants us to be proud, so proud that we brag about what God has accomplished for us. Jesus doesn't want us to seek greatness in uh, what we have achieved or the things that we possess. Jesus wants us to seek greatness by serving others. By serving others. And it was during that final week there before He was crucified that Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. So Jesus, remember He wanted those Laodiceans to purify themselves. And that was Jesus' message to the religious folk in Jerusalem that final week when He said this, you hypocrites. You see why he ticked people off? He just, you know, he was bringing it down that last week. You hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Our lives and our spiritual lives must be cleansed from the inside. You know, there are some people who say, I really can't commit to Jesus till I get my life straightened out. And Jesus says, no, I want it the other way around. I want your heart. Get the inside cleansed, and then together we'll work on the other stuff. Jesus said, not Jesus, but the psalmist said this in Psalm 51, create in me a pure heart. And this is what Jesus wants, a pure heart first and foremost, and revive a Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And so a heart for the things of God and a spirit of God growing in us, that's not only our goal for the season of Lent. It should be our goal 
each and every day. Left on their own. Those Christians in Laodicea, they were wretched, pitiful, poor, and blind. And this was also his message to the folks in Jerusalem. You're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind. Left on our own, this is Jesus' message to us. But let's hear the rest of the message to those Christians in Laodicea. Revelation 3.20 Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I mean, who has not seen this famous picture that, or painting that depicts that scripture verse? And if you don't have one in your house, I know your grandmother did. There's a couple of them spread around the church here. So there's Jesus knocking at the door. What is significant about this painting, though? What makes it unique, this door? It's got no handle on the outside. Jesus can't barge in. He's just knocking. It's up to us to let him in. Whoever opens. So consider these letters that we've looked at over the past several weeks. Some of them are kind of harsh. And Jesus, he can come across as rather demanding sometimes. He can't. That last week in Jerusalem, he was coming across as rather demanding. But Jesus is full of grace as well as truth. And look at what he says there in verse 19. Those whom I love, I'll be demanding of. Those whom I love, I will rebuke and discipline. And when we listen to the correction that Jesus gives, listen to what he offers us. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in, eat with that person. And that. He's, he's talking about having communion. He's talking about this intimate relationship. Eternal communion. And if what Jesus has said to the church in Laodicea hasn't blown your mind yet, check out this next verse. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Wait. Is Jesus serious? Are we like talking about get to hang out with Jesus on his throne in heaven? I got to tell you, that's a big old throne. But it's true. There's not going to be this big gulf when we get to heaven, this gulf between us and like, yeah, there's Jesus over there. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. So here's the thing. Jesus is going to discipline us. Jesus is going to rebuke us. Because Jesus loves us. Parents, why do you discipline your children? You see, my friends, this is the way it is. Jesus doesn't want more from us. I mean, what, honestly, what can we do for Jesus? Huh? What can we do for Jesus? He doesn't want more from us. He wants more for us. See, He wants this life that uh, fills us with peace. He wants this life that attracts other people to Jesus. He wants this life that goes out into this world and, and spreads love. And Oh my God, do we need more love in this world. Amen? 
So he doesn't want more from you. But he will correct you and he will rebuke you from time to time because he wants more for you. He wants more for you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, we give you thanks that you love us so much that you marched into that city. You knew you were going to die, but you paid the penalty for our sin. And now, having risen from the dead, you continue to teach us through these letters, through these words of yours that are written down. You continue to correct us and rebuke us when we need it. And I pray, Lord, for all of those here, all of those listening, that we would open ourselves to this correction so that we can have more. Most of all, we can have more of you. We pray this in your name. Amen.